This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, December 17th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, while vaccines reach hospitals, health leaders still warn community transmission of the coronavirus is at dangerous levels. Then the state's only Tier 1 trauma center details its plans to get vaccine shots to its most at-risk frontline workers. Plus, in our book club, some holiday food recommendations from Mississippi cookbook author Martha Hall Foose. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. COVID-19 hospitalizations are at record highs in Mississippi, and the state is continuing to experience an alarming rate of coronavirus transmission. To help manage the demand on hospital space and staff, the state's leading health experts are encouraging all frontline workers to protect themselves by taking the coronavirus vaccine. Dr. Mark Horn, president of the Mississippi State Medical Association, tells our Kobe Vance vaccinations will help hospital staff as they treat patients. But there's still a long road ahead for the greater community. We hope and believe that as we vaccinate our staff, our staff members from top to bottom who have contact with patients, that we'll have fewer people out sick with COVID and that we'll have more staff to take care of the many sick patients that are in our hospital. That's the first step. The second step is going to be, we hope, and the reason for this event today is to demonstrate that we really believe that this vaccine is the key to getting out of this pandemic. So as soon as we get our frontline healthcare workers and first responders and high-risk nursing home patients vaccinated, we are hopeful that this will be rolled out to the general public. And as it's rolled out to the general public, we anticipate seeing a marked decrease in the number of cases that are, have to be admitted to the hospital. So that's the key, is to get past this pandemic, get people vaccinated, get immunity, and get out and get back to normal. And now you mentioned that it's just going to be for the healthcare workers right now. Uh, what do you think this means? Or what, what role will this play right now um, for people that are, you know, in the community thinking like, okay, this, maybe this is the start of the end of our problems. Uh, but is that true? Is, it, is this the start of the end or do people have to wait a bit longer? I believe, that, well, yes, it's the beginning of the end of the story, but the end of the story has not yet arrived. Even though the vaccinations are coming out now, we have to continue to take all the precautions. Keep your holiday gatherings small. Do not go to these holiday parties that people are having. Uh, In my community, someone has planned a huge party for Sunday, and it's being known potentially hundreds of people don't go. If somebody says, hey, we're going to have a holiday party, we're going to have a bunch of people over, don't go. Stay home. Avoid those gatherings. If... Uh, a, a club or organization that you're with is going to have a large party or a program, don't go. Stay home. It's not time. Right now, we have to A, get vaccinated, and B, continue to avoid gatherings, uh, continue to socially distance, continue to wear a mask. That's how we get through this. 
Health leaders continue to express concern over widespread community transmission and hospitalization that follows. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says the rate of spread is increasing the burden on the state's ICUs. We're still clocking at well over 2,000 cases a day, and this is, is weighing heavily on our health system, right? Our ICU situation is absolutely atrocious. We are full. We have uh, ICU patients in the post-surgical recovery unit and the ERs. Um, we're seeing adverse health outcomes because people can't get to where they need to go. So, you know, we're going to continue to work hard, and I think our docs have been heroic, and our healthcare workers, our nurses, respiratory therapists have been heroic. But there's a breaking point, uh, and there's only so much that can be done. The only thing that really can be done that's going to make it better over the next few weeks is to turn off the spigot, right? We can't just keep flooding the health system with new COVID patients who are critically ill and expect for them to get taken care of. We have, like we've been saying, healthcare is an expendable resource, and we've pretty much expended it. So please be careful. Don't spread the virus. It's not only if you don't think you're going to get sick and you might get sick anyway. It's what you're going to do to somebody else. Us doing social stuff is absolutely destroying the health of Mississippi. Staying on hospitalizations, um, you know, on Sunday you signed an order that um, asked hospitals or required hospitals to start this rotational uh, admitting of, of patients, even though like, they might be at capacity. Um, what have you seen so far through that order, um, have, and what have been some of the uh, struggles that came with that, and how is it working? Well, you know, it, it, it's it's working reasonably well. Um, you know, there's some growing pains, making sure that um, that the health systems are prepared. But it's going to be a stress. Um, we, we have to do everything we can to make sure people have access to care. Um, we can't have someone dying in a rural hospital because all the hospitals are full. That's just not acceptable. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be an absolute terrible mess um, on, our, on our docs and, and our health care workers are going to be overwhelmed. So if you're a physician in Mississippi, if you're a nurse and you work in the hospital, it's just going to be bad. And, you know, you're going to get people, more people than you can take care of. You're going to have more to do than you feel like is safe because we as a state, as a population, have not heeded the simple, safe things that we could do because we've chosen to stay COVID ignorant because we don't want to face the truth. Um, and now the truth is, is, is coming back to haunt us. Health professionals also worry about how community transmission is affecting schools and learning. Dr. Anita Henderson is the president-elect of the Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. She says once the vaccine gets to frontline workers and then teachers, children will get a cocoon-like level of protection. The community spread is so high in Mississippi right now that it is affecting our children's ability to be in school. So once healthcare workers, eventually our teachers, their staff um, get vaccinated, it'll help protect and cocoon our kids who are not um, eligible for vaccines right now. And so, you know, we're coming up on Christmas break, you know, just before Thanksgiving, we saw a lot of schools go to virtual learning. What are your thoughts coming back from the Christmas break? Are we going to see a lot of that again? We're very concerned about what's going to happen over Christmas. And if the community spread continues to be this high, we may see many schools start back virtually in January. So it's up to us to do the right thing for families to limit those gatherings so that our kids can get back in school and stay in school. 
And now Christmas itself is a holiday that a lot of children really care for, not just Christmas, but also all the other holidays going on right now. But, you know, some families are opting to not have their children go see grandparents this, uh, this Christmas or holiday season. What would you tell parents um, right now in terms of, you know, either, ta- either just making the decision to not visit uh, grandparents or uh, talking to their children about not, we might not be able to see mom, uh, mama and papa all this year? So this Christmas needs to look different, and we need to find ways that we can celebrate and be together and yet be um, physically distanced. So whether that's via Zoom, via FaceTime, planning to have Christmas in February or March or April, planning ahead so that we can celebrate but celebrate safely is something that our parents and our children have to understand and understand that they're doing this now so that we can all be safe in the future. And so when it comes to the vaccine, are, you, are other people in your, uh, in your clinic going to be receiving the vaccine or are you all going to be receiving it further down the line? Um, with Hattiesburg Clinic, we anticipate receiving the Moderna vaccine possibly next week if it's approved by the FDA. So um, Hattiesburg Clinic is anticipating Moderna as their vaccine in the future. And is there anything else we might have touched on that you want to talk to parents or children or anybody out there right now about in terms of the coronavirus? I would just encourage anybody who is available and eligible for the vaccine right now to get it so that our kids who are not eligible for the vaccine can be um, protected in a cocoon method and get back to school. Yesterday, the Department of Health reported 2,343 additional cases of COVID-19, marking the ninth day this month with cases in excess of 2,000. The state is currently on pace for nearly 60,000 cases this month. Dr. Dobbs says roughly 10% of cases require hospitalization. Coming up, the state's only Tier 1 trauma center details its plans to get vaccine shots to its most at-risk frontline workers. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Medical leaders at one of Mississippi's largest hospitals are celebrating the first days of COVID-19 vaccination. After 3,900 doses arrived at the University of Mississippi Medical Center on Monday, frontline workers at the Tier 1 trauma facility received the first injection of the coronavirus vaccine yesterday. Vice Chancellor for Health Affairs, Dr. Luann Woodward, says the distribution is good news in the state's fight against COVID-19. We have had this year actually a few opportunities through the year to have some good news, but really when it comes to this pandemic, there is nothing that has compared to today when we are finally able to distribute um, vaccine to some of our employees. This is really, I hope and pray and believe, a turning point in our experience with this pandemic. I think this is how we are going to get through to that other side. With COVID-19 hospitalizations on the rise for over a month, the health system is under duress. Assistant Vice Chancellor of Clinical Affairs, Dr. Alan Jones, says the arrival of the vaccine is providing a boost of energy among the hospital staff. Today represents to me the light at the end of the tunnel, a day that we've been waiting on. Uh, Usually I stand here before you and talk about how many ICU beds we are down and um, 
how we're struggling and we're tired. And while that's all true, I feel like there's a shot of uh, energy that's been imparted into our staff today because we finally uh, feel that we have something to offer each other and the community that will get us to the other side of this pandemic. So I woke up this morning to find out that we had 23 additional ICU patients that we don't have beds for in our hospital. Um, but yet I felt relieved by the fact that I knew we would start vaccinating our frontline employees today. Uh, we've developed a, what I believe to be a, a very a good vaccine plan uh, running optimally. We'll be able to vaccinate 600 employees a day. Uh, that will take place between today and uh, the 23rd of December. We'll take a couple of days off uh, to allow our employees and volunteers to uh, have some time at, with their families at Christmas in just their nuclear families. Uh, and then we'll start back up until we run out of vaccine. Health leaders have emphasized the physical and emotional strain the rising hospitalization rate has on the system's human resources. Dr. Woodward says the initial allocation of the Pfizer vaccine will go to the center's most at-risk workers. We are delighted that we have vaccine to distribute. We have approximately 3,900 doses. We clearly have more employees than that. But what we are doing is... Um, is distributing these along a plan that designates the employees we have that are frontline patient care highest risk first. So they are given the opportunity to receive the vaccine first. Those that are at the highest risk in their day in and day out job, we want to be sure that they have that opportunity. We do anticipate that in the upcoming months, additional vaccine doses will be made available, but we don't know yet when. We understand through all the federal communications that there is a plan in December to distribute a certain number of doses in January and February and so forth, um, and we eagerly await more information. That's one of the first questions that we get from people is, um, when will more vaccine be coming? And we don't know the answer to that. As soon as we know, we will be able to share that information but we don't know. We do believe, we're very confident that we'll get additional doses, but we don't know when. Woodward says this allocation will only cover the first round of the vaccine for the hospital's workers. She says they expect to receive another shipment at a later date. Respiratory therapists like Dr. Driscoll Duvall are a crucial group of frontline workers. Duvall received the vaccine yesterday. He says he's grateful he can now continue treating patients with a new level of protection. Definitely want to uh, say that I'm definitely honored to uh, and, and proud, rather, to be amongst the uh, respiratory therapists and represent the respiratory therapists, rather, uh, as a recipient, a, a recent recipient of the shot. In my opinion, of course, stopping the pandemic, you know, requires using all of the resources available. Um, I've, you know, together, the, C the, the current vaccine that we have uh, and following the C CDC recommendations gives us the best chance to provide the best care possible in a safe way to our patients, but just really protect ourselves and our family members. So I definitely, definitely encourage everyone to go out and get the shot. So thank you so much. The Pfizer vaccine comes with some logistical challenges. UMMC's Dr. Jonathan Wilson says the hospital is equipped to manage them. So this vaccine posed a pretty significant logistical challenge, uh, not just for the medical center, but for, for all of the state and around the country. Uh, this 
vaccine from Pfizer arrived in ultra-cold storage, so a special shipping container with dry ice to maintain a constant low temperature, um, as well as the package had a GPS tracker and an internal thermometer so that UPS and FedEx could monitor the status of the shipment as it moved along the logistical train. Once we received it here, our Department of Pharmacy then transferred it from that dry ice container into an ultra-cold freezer. Uh, those freezers, especially now, everybody in the country wants them, are, are kind of hard to find. Uh, one of the benefits of being an academic medical center is we have research laboratories and clinical labs that already had those freezers here. So we were able to mobilize those and relocate those for the storage of the vaccine. Um, once we take it out and we decide that we are going to administer uh, a dose of vaccine, uh, it comes in a small vial uh, that is, once it comes out of the freezer, we have to decide if we're going to uh, dilute it down and start administering it or not. Once it's been out of the freezer, uh, it can stay refrigerated for only up to five days before then it's no longer any good. And that, that needs to be in, in just a regular refrigerator. Once we dilute it and draw it up, then we only have six hours uh, to administer the vaccine. So a lot of this, you're not able to pre-stage or pre-deploy assets a lot like what you see in influenza where it already comes in a pre-filled syringe and it's easy to go and move. It's a lot of logistics that go into making sure that we reconstitute and we get the, the vaccine prepped and ready for distribution. Coming up in our book club, some holiday food recommendations from Mississippi cookbook author Martha Hall Foose. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. We are a Yucca Drive-In Theater. We're the last operating drive-in in the state of Mississippi. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Freaked me out that you could come and drive your car and park and watch the movie outside. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. It's getting to be crunch time for Christmas preparations, whether it's last-minute shopping, wrapping gifts, or holiday food planning. To the rescue is Mississippi cookbook author Martha Hall Foose. Her latest book, A Good Meal is Hard to Find, includes some recipes perfect for the big holiday. Everybody's doing a lot of cooking for Christmas, from making candy to planning whatever the big Christmas dinner is going to be, and then planning for Christmas morning. We all get cookied out maybe at Christmas time, but you have this wonderful butterscotch pound cake. I love this recipe, and it makes a giant cake for a really big bunt pan, and it's a pound cake that's got heavy cream and vanilla extract and a little splash of scotch, and then it gets soaked in a butterscotch glaze, and then one of the really Christmassy parts of it is that you crush up some of those disc-shaped butterscotch candies and crunch them up and sprinkle them on the top of the cake. It's really delicious. It's one of those things that you could make easily three days ahead of time, and it's really going to get better the longer it sits. What about those who are still entertaining? They have big groups coming over. Do you have an hors d'oeuvre or a side dish you recommend? There are a couple of really 
fun and and again one of those things where when you're having people over you don't want to be stuck in the kitchen so there are things that you can make ahead there's a great thing in Mississippi you know we love hot tamales so we have Delta hot tamale balls that take less time than rolling tamales and a great sausage ball recipe but you know, a lot of folks have people over in the morning after presents or during presents. A great recipe is a French toast casserole dabbed with little dollops of strawberry jam. So when it cooks down, it gets all custardy and strawberry. It's delicious. You can make it ahead of time? Yep. Make it the night before, even a day before. And uh, leave it in the fridge. And then while everybody's opening presents, just pop it in the oven. Anything else that would work especially well for the holidays? There's a, a new little drink that I really like. It was new to me. It's not new in the world. It's called Pearl's Wish, and it's a drink with evaporated milk and orange juice and a little bit of brown sugar and vanilla extract, and you can garnish it with wedges of satsumas that are, in, are always fun to have around the holidays. It sounds like a creamsicle yeah, just like a cream pickle. Tell us about a good meal is hard to find. This was one of the funnest projects I've ever worked on. It was in collaboration with Amy Cameron Evans, who I'm sure many Mississippians know her through her oral history work on the Hot Tamale Trail and her work on Southern Folklore's magazine. What we did was sort of create a community cookbook based around a lot of women, and Amy and I are both pounds for estate sales and love community cookbooks. And so often in a community cookbook, a woman's name really isn't her own given name. It'll be Mrs. R.L. Mitchell or something like that, or it'll be Mrs. R.L. Mitchell May Simpson. But you don't really know who that person's first name is or really anything about that person. So we really wanted to celebrate sort of the inner lives of people that might have contributed recipes to community cookbooks. So this book has fictional little short stories that are the head notes to all the recipes. And then most of the recipes are really approachable. The majority of them aren't longer than a page, but I think they're a good cross-section of Southern recipes from Texas all the way down to the tip of Florida. And you have a companion piece to this book? We do. And this was something that Amy and I enjoyed working on so much. It's called A Good Meal is Hard to Find Journal, a pocketbook of notes and notions. It's just one of those things that you'll just have on the shelf in the kitchen all the time. In the back of the book, there's a little envelope on the back cover where you can slide in, you know, little clippings you might have made or recipes you printed out or just a little place to tuck in notes. And it's a diminutive little book. doesn't take up much room, but I hope it brings a lot of joy. A Good Meal is Hard to Find is the name of the cookbook. And then what is the name of this companion piece? A Good Meal is Hard to Find journal, a pocketbook of notes and notions. And I really encourage everybody to support all of our incredible Mississippi independent bookstores. Martha Hoffus is the author of A Good Meal is Hard to Find. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing a few tasty-sounding recipes with us. Have a healthy holiday. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 
Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.